I love hearing stories of miraculous breakthroughs. I don't know about you, but I really, really love hearing when people put their faith and their trust in God and something miraculous happens. Some incredible big thing happens for them. Let me give you an example. I was, uh, I was recently watching uh, uh, a relatively famous preacher uh, do some stuff and praying for people and speaking about what God does when we pray. And he was actually out, believe it or not, in a kebab shop. And he was just standing in the queue. And he felt God speak to him about the person standing in front of him. And he felt God say that this person had trouble with their ear. So he leant over, he, he tapped the person on the shoulder, and he said, sorry, do you have a problem with your ear? And the person explained to him that in the 90s, he was diagnosed by a doctor saying that he was going to gradually lose his hearing uh, in his one ear. And... The doctor's prediction or the doctor's diagnosis or whatever you want to call it has actually come true. He's completely lost the earring in his one ear. And so this man in this kebab shop leans over and says, if it's okay with you, I'd love to pray for God to heal you. And the man says, yes. So he puts his hands on both of his ears and he prays a simple prayer. He says, Father, in the name of Jesus, would you make his ear new. And instantly, just like that, the man's hearing is restored. And, and, as, and as it is, and you, can, and you can see what happens to him, you can see the, the whole thing unfolding in front of your eyes, floods of tears pour down his face. And amazingly, a camera crew are there to capture this. It's wonderful. This man is elated. He can't stop talking about it. And you know, he's just sharing with people around him. He's hugging the crew. He's hugging the man who prayed for him. And then gets up starting to go to other people saying, you won't believe what's just happened. This man over here prayed for me and the great physician has, has done a miracle in my ear. It's incredible. It's just wonderful seeing those moments. How about this? I was, um, I was traveling in West Africa quite a few years ago now, struggling in West Africa, and I was uh, right next to a pastor in the moment that this incredible thing happened. This, this lame man uh, came into the building, and, and let me explain to you what I mean by came into the building. He, he basically dragged himself into the building. He was, he was sat down, and he dragged himself into the building because he clearly couldn't walk. There was clearly some sort of a problem with his legs, um, and then he said to us, I, I, I can't walk. I I, I've, I've been like this since birth. And when you, when you looked at his hands, you could tell he'd been dragging himself around wherever he needed to go. This man had never walked before. And then I saw just the most incredible thing unfold right in front of my eyes. This pastor quoted from Acts, verse, uh, Acts 3, uh, let me get the right, Acts 3 verse 6 by a guy called Peter. And he said this, he said, silver or gold have I not but what I have I give to you, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And in front of our eyes, in front, right next to me, this man gets up and starts walking. It was one of the most incredible moments 
of my entire life. Don't you love these stories? Don't you love it when you just hear the miraculous, the very big things that are happening all around you? When you experience them for yourself, when you're in the very room. How about this? I wasn't, I wasn't watching anything on a screen. I wasn't, I wasn't traveling to some third world country where we've got reasons to, to say that's why God only does miracles there. I was in my, I was in my own church, in my, in my congrega- congregation. And... Uh, after the service, I wasn't around. It wasn't a pastoral moment or it wasn't a moment for the key leaders to be there. One of the ladies in our church uh, walked over to one of the gentlemen and said, do you, have, do you have pain in your back? I feel like God is saying there's pain in your back. And he said, yes, I've been experiencing quite a lot of pain in my back. And she said, I want to ask you another question. Are your legs the same length? And he said, no, no, one leg is shorter than the other. And she called a few people over. They sat him down on a chair They held his legs and they prayed a simple prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, make his legs the same length. And right in front of their eyes, his leg grew out and the pain in his back disappeared instantly. It is just the most incredible thing. Someone, one Sunday morning in my church, spoke to God and God answered. God showed up. This, I find this absolutely astounding that the God of the universe would do such a thing. What's what's your experience like? When it comes to asking God for the miraculous, when it comes to asking God for just the ordinary, what is your experience like? Have you ever asked God for something? Have you asked him for something big? Have you asked him to take away pain? Have you asked him to cure the incurable disease? Have you asked him for the miraculous? And how did that work out for you? Many of you have been praying the same prayer for years. For years and years and years you've been praying the same prayer. And your experience is the opposite of what I've just been describing a minute ago. Your experience is just so, so different. Maybe you only ever tried to pray once, but because God didn't answer instantly, you stopped. Because God didn't give you the thing that you were really, really desperately hoping for, you didn't think it was okay to ask again. Maybe all you got back was... All you got back was silence, awkward, disappointing, horrible silence. Maybe this silence hurt you so much that you even questioned whether God really exists. Here's the reality. We, we just don't all hear God's voice as much as we'd like. And I think it gets particularly challenging and difficult If it's the one thing, the one thing that we really wish he would speak to us about. The one thing we really wish or trust that he would give us the breakthrough for that we so desperately require. You know, just to know, just to know that he actually cares for me too. When it's the one thing 
you really hoped he would be answering. Just as much as the breakthroughs and the answered prayers cause real elation, real high points, real surprise, real party atmosphere, these moments of silence can bring real pain and real confusion, real anger, and even frustration for some of us. We even start doubting our faith. And that's why today is so important. We're in chapter 46 of a book called Genesis, and we're edging our way towards the end of our series, a series on identity. And I believe today is really, really going to help all of us. If you've been following the series, you'll know that there's a guy called Joseph. Uh, he's the character we're looking at at the moment. And his brothers, uh, they just didn't like what was happening with him. And so they sold him into slavery. They took his robe, they covered it in blood, and they took this blood-stained, torn apart, ripped and shredded garment back to his dad, a guy called Jacob. And they said, Dad, Joseph's been killed by a wild animal. For a moment, I want to ask you, can you just imagine what that's like? Can you imagine what that must have been like hearing those words? Joseph was killed by a wild animal. Can you ima imagine carrying all that heartache, all that sorrow? Can you imagine the countless unanswered questions, maybe even prayers? Can you imagine living with silence? God, why did you allow this? God, why didn't you protect him? God, where were you when my beautiful, amazing son died? And then, silence. For 23 years, just silence. Imagine what those years must have been like. And then, one day, Jacob has sent his sons out. There's a drought and he sent his sons out to go and fetch some food in Egypt. And they come back. They come back to Canaan. They've gone to just fetch supplies, remember? And they come back to tell him this news. They say, Dad, you won't believe it. Joseph is alive. Can you imagine that moment? Years. 23 years of silence. And then suddenly, your son the one who you thought was dead, the one who you've mourned, the one over whom you've had countless, countless questions, unanswered questions, only met by silence kind of questions, suddenly you hear he's alive. And not just that, he's the ruler over all of Egypt. And he has sent us, Dad, he sent us to come and fetch you and all of the family to go and live with him, to go and share in the abundance. Can you imagine hearing that news? It must have been like Joseph came back from the dead. So of course, Jacob jumps to the opportunity because he's now an older man. He jumps up the, at the opportunity to go and see his son just one more time, to talk to him just one more time before he dies, to hold him just one more time, to laugh with him, to cry with him, to tell him how much he's missed him over the years. Just one more time, he jumps at the opportunity to do so. And we pick up the story in just a few verses. And God spoke to Israel in a vision that night. This is Jacob. He's on his way out. 
He's on his way to go and see his son. And that night, God speaks to him in a vision, saying, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. After 23 years of unanswered prayers, after 23 years that were no doubt marked with sorrow and loneliness and heartache and despair and frustration and silence, God breaks in. God breaks in. And Jacob's biggest prayer is answered. His son is not only alive, not only is this the best thing that could have happened, but on top of that, God throws in this incredible promise saying, you and your descendants out of you, I will make a mighty nation. This is amazing. It's a continuation of the same promise God had made to Abram in Genesis chapter 12, just earlier in the book. I mean, wow. It's staggering, isn't it? It's absolutely mind-blowing. Talk about a turnaround. This is going to be one of the biggest turnarounds in history. All of those years when Jacob was asking, where, you, where were you, God? Where were you when my son was taken from me? God with the gentlest and kindest and most loving of answers like only God can give, was whispering back, I was working a better future for everyone. I was busy working a better future for everyone. No doubt those years were horrible, but God was working out a plan. You see, Joseph, Joseph was promoted to be prime minister of all of Egypt. He had all the favor, unprecedented favor. Not only him, but his entire family. They had an abundance of food. They had favor with Pharaoh. And they were given what was perhaps the most incredible and the most, uh, the, the most precious land in the whole region. Genesis 47 tells us they settled in this place called Goshen. And they worked the land. And before long, before long, the Bible tells us, they began to prosper and the population grew rapidly. Now fast forward just a little bit with me. 430 years, and we're in the next book along in the Bible, a book called Exodus. We're in chapter 12, verse 37. And from just 70 males in Jacob's family, just 70 descendants, they have grown to 600,000 people. 430 years, 70 people became 600,000 people. It's unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. God really and truly came through on the promise he had made to Jacob that night. But let's not dismiss the fact that it took 430 years. Let's not dismiss the fact that that's a very long time and no doubt no doubt, in 430 years, the promise was questioned. Frustration entered the hearts of men and women. They wondered, why is God so silent? Is this just God not doing what he promised to do again? 
all sorts of questions. It's crucial that you and I look at this, read this, study this, hear this, talk about this together, and then it's crucial that you and I learn the key lesson that's available for us to learn here today. In our moments of awkward, frustrating, agonizing silence, God is at work. God is at work. Just because you're not hearing him talk doesn't mean he's not busy working on your behalf. God is always at work. When I'm, when I'm driving in my car and I'm using my GPS as I do from time to time, it speaks, doesn't it? Well, mine does. And there's a voice and it tells me to turn left or right or go around the roundabout or do something in the next few hundred yards. It communicates with me what will be happening next and it gets me to the place where I want to go. But there are moments, there are moments when I'm driving and my GPS, it's just silent. And when it's silent, it doesn't mean that my GPS has stopped working. It just means it's time for me to just carry on driving in the, in the direction it's originally told me to go. Just keep my eyes on the road. Just keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And in time, at some point, the silence will be broken. And with enough warning, I'll be told what to do next. I'll be told to turn left and take the second right. And then it'll say something magical. You've arrived at your destination. It's like that with God. It's absolutely like that with God. When we don't hear His voice, when there are moments when we don't hear His voice, and we feel like giving up, and everything inside of us is telling us to stop, pack it in, turn around, go back where we came from, resist just because he's not speaking in that moment, just because he hasn't spoken in that week or in that month, or perhaps even for some, over the last few years, doesn't mean that he hasn't been at work. When you don't hear his voice, it doesn't mean you've lost his presence. Perhaps the best example of unanswered prayer and this moment of God's silence or this period of God's silence was when Jesus, he himself, experienced it. The miracle working, one of a kind, selfless, blameless, perfect son of God, during the time of his greatest, greatest need, experienced silence and abandonment by the Father. Let's read some verses together. Jesus is in the garden with some of his disciples, the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says this, He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul, my soul, is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, Stay there and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. This is what he said. He said, 
Abba, Father. Everything is possible for you. Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, everything is possible. Would you please do it? This is Jesus, the Son of God, saying, Father, Dad, Abba. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but what you will. On the Thursday before his crucifixion, Jesus asks his dad to take away the pain, to spare him from suffering. And before you know it, he's betrayed, betrayed by a close friend, put on trial, handed over to soldiers, and they're getting ready to execute him. It's Friday now. He's dragged, dragged away, mocked, beaten over the head with a stick, spat on. They force a cross, sorry, a crown of thorns into his head into his skull, more mocking. Now they're whipping him, and they're ripping his flesh apart. There's blood everywhere. It's still Friday, and they're not done yet. They nail him to a cross, and as he is slowly suffocating and struggling for breath, he gathers the last bit of strength and the last bit of breath he has. And then he says this, he says this to his father, He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mark 15, 34. And you know what he got? Why have you forsaken me? Do you, do you know what he got back? Nothing. Silence. Just silence. Gets worse. He dies. They eventually take him down from the cross. They put him in a tomb. God's son is dead. God's son is dead. It's Saturday. It's Saturday. And the silence is just getting louder. The question is still hanging in the air. Why? Have you forsaken me? Until the next morning, that is. Now it's Sunday. Easter Sunday. God broke the silence. And Jesus, the Son of God, the one who was shamed and ripped to shreds and beaten and nailed to a cross and humiliated in front of everyone, and spat on, and the one whose blood that was shed everywhere, that same Jesus, the one who was dead, when the silence just kept on getting louder and louder and louder and louder on the Saturday, that same Jesus came back from the dead on the Sunday. Hallelujah. Where was God? Where was God when you went through what you went through. Where was God when I went through what I went through? Where was God when you prayed for him to take away the cancer and he didn't? Where was God when you asked him to miraculously provide so that you wouldn't go through the trauma you did? Where was God when these things happened to you and me? Where was he? 
God was in exactly the same place as when his son was traumatized and executed and whipped. And when they forced the crown of thorns into his skull, when they mocked him, when they divided his clothes, when everybody stood there watching all of this happen, God was in the same place. He was busy working a miracle. He was busy working a better future. He was busy working the resurrection. And that changes everything. When you're asking, why is God silent? Why is he not doing this for me? Why have I waited so many years for God to answer this question? Why have I only been met with silence? I know because I've experienced some of these moments way longer than I'd love to say to you that I haven't. I know it's hugely difficult. But can I encourage you with this? Psalm 46.10. It says this. It says, Be still and know that I am God. In your silence, be silent. There's moments when it's just good to be silent. Be still and know that God is God. And here's why. Even when it doesn't feel like it. Even when you've asked the question more times than you care to recall. Even when you've prayed more times, shed more tears, been more angry than you ever want to admit to anyone else. Even when the pain, the physical pain and the emotional suffering has gone on way longer, way, way longer than you'd ever Love for it to have gone on. Even in all those moments, he's still God. He still is God. And he promises never to leave or forsake us. And there's more. This is Romans 8.28. And we know that God, the God who says, be still and know that I am God, the miracle-working God, the one who does things behind the scenes God, this God says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purposes for them. I'd love to pray in just a minute, but before I do, I just want to ask a question. If you're a Christian and you find yourself in this position, you find yourself thinking, man, I have prayed so many times, and all I know is silence. I'm watching people around me. I'm watching my friends in church pray, and God gives them breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. What is happening in my own life? If you're experiencing silence, maybe it's your Saturday moment, and you're thinking, what is God actually doing? Perhaps you're experiencing some other things, disappointment, frustration, maybe even, maybe even loss of hope. 
Can I encourage you? I encourage you from the Word of God this morning. God the Father, He is at work right now. God the Father is at work right now. Amidst the silence, working a better outcome for you and for the person you're praying for, the person who's so close to you, the person in your family who you've been trusting God for to give you the answer, to give you the breakthrough, to heal them of their disease. God, behind the scenes, amidst the silence, amidst the struggle, the frustration, God is at work. If you don't call yourself a follower of Jesus, I, I guess this shows you a little bit of what the reality is like. Especially if you're weighing up whether you want to become a follower of God or not. And I really recommend that you do, by the way. I recommend that you do weigh this up. While we are here on earth, there'll be moments of extreme highs. There'll be moments of real challenging lows. If the Son of God experienced moments of silence, moments of feeling like I'm being abandoned here, there's no doubt, there's no doubt, you and I will experience those moments too. But here is the amazing promise for you. If you put your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ, He promises never ever to leave or forsake you. And in times when you experience silence, He promises that for you too, He'll be working a better future. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the reminder today that you're always with us. You're always with us, even in the moments when we experience extreme silence. Thank you that you don't judge the things we feel. You know we feel them anyway, God. Thank you for your love, your overwhelming love, your gentleness, and your care for us. And that you're really working. You're working a better future for all of us. Even in these moments of silence. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen.